Now back to more sports wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back into Sports Wrap. Um, I want to do some NBA stuff here because, look, I, I think that these these playoffs are going to be a lot of fun. I like a lot of these matchups, like Milwaukee, Chicago, love that matchup. Uh, Boston, Brooklyn, love that matchup. Um, this, but but to me, this Memphis Minnesota matchup, I think is going to be a ton of fun, just a ton of fun. I, I'm actually really looking forward to these playoffs. Number one, because LeBron James isn't in it this year. And, and to me, that makes the NBA incredibly more appetizing. Um, but it's going to look, I, I think that you look at the way Miami has played this year. I think it surprised a lot of folks uh, as they finished out the East with, with that number one seed. And and all that Ben Simmons stuff to start the year, the fact that Philly is where they're at, I think is pretty cool. Like there's a lot of really cool storylines and then you go out West and, and I mean, look, golden state has been banged up all year, all year. And now they got a nuggets team that they got to deal with. And, and for me, I think that's a really, really intriguing matchup. And then you got uh jazz Dallas, which I think is going to be a ton of fun too. A- anyway, there are a lot of intriguing matchups in the NBA playoffs. So it's something that, that we're going to continue to watch going forward. But I wanted to do a little draft stuff here because I praise Troy Weaver, uh, Coach Casey, at the end of last year because I felt like what they did was it was a master class in tanking. And it was a master class in tanking because they brought guys along. Like Sadiq Bey got better. Killian Hayes was continuing to develop, although, you know, Killian has struggled this year once again. Um, Isaiah Stewart made big strides last year, and they put themselves in a position where the young guys got better, and and they gave themselves an opportunity to land that first pick overall through the lottery, and they did and landed Cade Cunningham. Like, the stars aligned. It's exactly what you want in the NBA, if you're a rebuilding team, like you want to bring guys along, you want to develop the talent. You want to see real improvement, which we did last year. And then you want to try to land the highest pick possible, which the Pistons did. It was a masterclass. It was wonderful. And I thought Dwayne Casey did a really nice job of developing some of these guys. And then Troy Weaver did his due diligence. We, we know what he can do in the draft. He's not afraid to move around, not afraid to wheel and deal. And and from a from a talent standpoint, from a or a talent identification standpoint, I'm really good about what Troy Weaver is able to do. Like I, I really love that front office and I love the way that they that they're able to to maneuver if they need to. Now, once again, the Pistons find themselves in a very similar position last year. Bottom three team in the league, which means you all got the same odds to land that first overall pick, but you're guaranteed a top three pick, right? Like, like, like you're going to get a top talent once again. So now it turns to who are the guys like last year for me, it was pretty obvious that Cade was the guy. And, and I, and you know, look, Jalen green has been a nice player this year. And, and, um, you know, like th- there have been other players that 
look, they're going to beat Kate out for um, rookie of the year. Fine. But I still think long-term, we talked about this, what, last week? I still think long-term, Cade's going to be the, the, the best player from that draft, or at least one of the top three players in that draft, which is good enough. Now, this year, it's a little different because I, I think it it's what does this team want? What, what direction do they want to go? And I want to highlight four guys in particular. And, and yes, there are other guys down the list that are going to be uh, really highly considered. But But for me... There are four guys here that you really need to watch out for. Jaden Ivey, the guard out of out of Purdue, the sophomore. You got Het, Chet Holdinger out of Gonzaga, Paolo Benchero out of Duke, and Jabari Smith out of Auburn. Okay, so Duke and Ben, or, or excuse me, Smith and Banchero, the power form, the power forwards, Holmgren's the center, and Ivey's the shooting guard. So you've you've got options there. Now for me, look, I. I I would be really interested to see what this team can do with a guy like Chet Holmgren. And and look, a seven-footer who who doesn't play like a center. He he plays more like Kevin Durant. And and I, I, I just remind people with Chet Holmgren that I, I make the, the Kevin Durant comparison because they're very similar um in, in in the sense of how they play. Um, Chet is only, what, two inches taller than, than Kevin Durant. So think of the way Kevin Durant plays. Remember Kevin Durant coming out of Texas uh, when he came out? And the, the, the knock on him was that he couldn't bench press enough. He was so weak. They, they couldn't believe that this guy was going to be a top-tier draft pick. And I, I, I just caution everybody to remember like basketball strength on the court and like lifting weights are they're different strengths. They're a different type of, of muscle memory. And it uh, turns out Kevin Durant, you know, a pretty good basketball player it turned out. Okay. And so I, I'm going to be really interested to see where Chet Holmgren kind of factors in to this draft and, and where people have him slated, especially the talking heads. Because for me, I think he's probably one of the most talented players that I've seen coming out of college in a long time. And I know Gonzaga underperformed in the tourney. I know that, that, you know, the, all the money was on, on the Bulldogs and they didn't get it done, but this kid can play basketball. And I think that if he's there, you know, if the, if the Pistons have that number one pick, they're going to have a really nice, smorgasbord of things and players and positions and strengths to choose from. And I think that is going to bolster this team going forward. I think Jaden Ivey is another really interesting candidate. Like you, you saw what would Paolo Banchero can do with Duke. Um, he, he, it felt like at times he was unstoppable throughout the season. And even the tournament had some nice showings in that championship game had a nice showing, but then there are times when you're like, what I, he feels lost on the floor of from time to time. And Jabari Smith is, is very similar. Um, another freshman out of Auburn feels like at times he's the best player in college basketball. And then it's a time where he just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing or he doesn't know the assignment or he doesn't know it's a pick and pop. Or he so I, I have less questions about Chet Holmgren. And I really like the way that he would fit into this Pistons team. Jaden Ivey, another guy that can shoot the basketball. Like, I, I, 
I think that that this is a really deep draft. I think that the that the that the where these lottery picks, you know, shake out in the top ten. I think there's a ton of talent there. I mean, heck, even a guy like Keegan Moore, uh, Murray out of uh, out of Iowa, who I think the last time I saw it was was like a eighth or ninth or tenth pick uh, in the mock that I saw. Um, but again, that's a guy that could absolutely be a top five pick. Um, so I, I, this is a very, very deep draft and I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this for you as we move along, because, um, this, this stuff feels like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, that, the that the Pistons are going to be in a position once again, to draft another impact player. You add that to Cade, you add it to guys. Uh, like Sadiq Bay, like Isaiah Stewart, and, and that's going to give this team a much different um, vibe. It's going to give them a much different look, and so I, I'm very excited uh, for how this thing is shaking out for the Pistons. So we'll, we'll watch that for you. Um, in the meantime, Jason, I know you are very excited for the USFL to start. Uh, Cannot when, wait. This thing. When does this thing get underway? It starts Sunday. Uh, nope. It'll no, start. Right? To, it starts tonight, oh, today, and then today. and That's then right. uh, games tomorrow as well. Uh, Michigan will play at noon on Sunday. Okay, so the the Panthers are at noon uh, tomorrow. Um, what what are your feelings on this? Uh, because look, I I feel for me, I feel the same way as I do about like the XFL. Like this, just I mean, look, you're just not. This is not. I don't think that you're trying to compete with the NFL. Like I, I think that the 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 model needs to be like your own thing, but at the same time, it just it just feels like another thing that'll fizzle out in the next couple of years. Well, yeah, they proved um, with the XFL coming back after 20 years, the pandemic wiped it out. But they were like four or five weeks into the season, and I think people were already starting to check out. And the XFL next year, now that The Rock has bought it. He's going to have it start uh, right after the NFL season's over with. And I just think people are uh, footballed out. I know I am. I mean, after the Super Bowl, I, I mean, if, if, if I put it on in the background, maybe that's okay, but people are ready for March madness. People are ready for baseball to begin. And with the USFL um, starting this weekend. So they waited till uh, they didn't start it right after the, I think it, I think this has a better chance than, having a league start right after the the season, the NFL seasons, you know, is done. So this is like the appetizer for you. Like, like this is just wetting the palate before you're able to, to get into the, the real stuff. Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I guess it remains to be seen, but um, these, a lot of these leagues they've proven in the last couple of, what was the league a couple of years ago, maybe before the, I can't remember the, the league that started. It just, they don't draw any fans. The play is not very good. Nope. You know, it, it, I find I've always found it very hard to get through an XFL game, an entire game. So we'll I mean, it, it comes down to the quality of this league, and it, you know, whether they can draw eyeballs or not. Well, look, Jeff Fisher's the the head coach of the of the Panthers, and he's obviously a football guy. Right. So like yeah. so it, it feels like they've got some people on board that are going to that are going to be able to to to, to work. Uh, but we'll see, I, you know, I, again, with it's a wait and see approach. I'm going to, I'll, I'll tune it in tomorrow. Like we'll do some show prep and we'll, we'll watch this thing and, and give you some reports on it, uh, tomorrow night. But 
I, I don't know. Like it just, I don't know that they. It, I don't know that this has got the 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 the, 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 the staying power. Uh, but it's something that that we'll watch. There's no doubt about it. Uh, all right, I'll tell you what, we'll take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We got Tom Brady. We'll do some NFL draft stuff before we wrap this thing up. Sports Ramp continuing tonight on WJL. It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Happy Saturday to you. Welcome into Sports Rap once again. Chris Renwick with you this evening right here on WJR. Um, look, we, we got a lot to do tonight. I want to talk, we're going to talk uh, some mock drafts. We'll do NBA and we'll do NFL. Um, Tom Brady not getting that last uh, football sold for his la- his unofficial last touchdown thrown as a professional uh that's wiped off uh, wiped off the books we'll get to that as well uh and, and the issue of Clayton Kershaw getting yanked as he's got a perfect game going I got thoughts on that but but I wanted to start with the Tigers first of all let me just say over the last couple of years when, when the Tigers have been well they've been bad and they've been in full-on rebuild mode. They've been tearing down the, the house to the studs in order to rebuild this thing back up. And now they're a competitive baseball team. or a competitive baseball team. And I just want to say, right off the top, how refreshing it is to see big-time plays being marketed around the league in league circles, whether it's ESPN, whether it's, MLB network, whatever it is, that the Tigers are involved in some of these highlights. We haven't had that in what feels like years. You had the 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 Miggy with the home run title uh, 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 being chased last year, all fine. But like the fact that Spencer Torkelson gets uh, a little love for his first uh, either hit or home run, big deal. Javi Baez, big play after big play whether it's at the plate or in the field, getting love for the old English G. I think it's fantastic. It's refreshing. It makes it feel like we got a real baseball team here in town once again. And it's, look, when the Tigers are good, everything just feels better in Detroit sports. Everything kind of feels right again. And for a lot of years, a lot of really, really lean years, it just feels good. It feels good. And, and speaking of of Javi Baez, I, I I need to I need to probably own up to something here. When the Tigers didn't go out and sign Carlos Correa, I was disappointed. And and I look, I still think Carlos Correa is the premier shortstop in baseball, both at the plate and in the field. And 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 there's been all those you know discussions around Javier Baez and whether or not he's a you know, a quote-unquote cancer in the locker room. All of those things are gone. Through the first few games of this season, through the first few series of this season, Javier Baez is is 
so much more than I think we as Tiger fans bargained for. Not, I mean, look, we know what he can do in the field. He's a gold glove caliber shortstop. We know what he can do at the plate, and we know what his shortcomings are. He's going to strike out more than we'd like, but he's going to hit for power. He's aggressive. And, and if you look back to the time that A.J. Hinch was in Houston, that was the calling card of that offense. It was hit the ball, hit the ball hard. I don't care if you strike out. I don't care if you if you line out, but you hit the ball hard, hit it for power. And and that's what this team kind of feels like they're turning into with guys like Spencer Torkelson. It'll feel really that way when Riley Green gets back. Javier Baez obviously hits for a ton of power, batting 316. Like those things are really, really important, especially in the development of a team. But but when you get to the point where you're ready to be a, a real contender, that groundwork is going to be so impactful. And 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 I got to say, with Javi Baez, I was skeptical. I was skeptical. I wasn't upset with the signing. Thought it was a value signing, and and I just felt like, I just felt like we left a little on the table not having Carlos Correa wearing the old English D. But I got I got to say, with everything that's coming out of the locker room, with everything that's being shown on the field, this guy is is not only a leader, but he brings a certain swagger. And and on the field production, players want to they want to try to catch up. They want to try to match that. And that's all credit to Javier Baez. I, I mean, really, I think you got to. You got to be really mindful about the chemical makeup of a young team, especially when you're bringing in some some upper echelon, top tier prospects like uh, Spencer Torkelson or Riley Green. But the fact that that this team, who have who have leaned on Miguel Cabrera for so long, when when Miggy says, "Look, we're gonna go, we're gonna follow Javi. That's what we're gonna do," and when he says it, it means a lot. And I think that we're we're starting to see kind of the the benefits of that paying off. J- Jason, I'm not trying to oversell this. I think that this Javier Baez thing, um, I, I think we all need to, to take a step back, distance ourselves from the Correa stuff, and understand that, look, we got a heck of a baseball player here. Not only from a production standpoint, but from a clubhouse standpoint, this guy is is more than I think was advertised. Yeah. Yeah. And his contra the the three years that Correa got at 104 with the twins, ugh, twins are just awful. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's the, the offensive numbers between Baez and, and Correa are not far off and you get no. good defense with Baez. So I think it, it looks like it's going to work out for us. Hopefully in the long run, it'll work out for us. Uh, but it, it's wait and see with Correa and that Twins lineup. Oh, it just, I watched a few of their games over the, uh, the in the first couple days of the season, and God, the Twins are, uh, yeah, they're, they're not good. No, they're terrible. But here's the thing with, 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 with Carlos Correa, he bet on himself once again. He wanted that big money deal. I guess it wasn't out there to his liking. So he took a short term big money deal, and he's going to try for that, that big, time salary that that big time deal again which i fully anticipate he will get in the next couple of years 
But at the same time, from from a Tiger standpoint, I just like where this I, I like where this team is at early on. And, and I know we got to pump the brakes a little bit, okay? Because as fans, we're excited that this team is is it shows a pulse. I don't know how good this team really is going to be. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a wait and see approach. But with all of that being said, they got a pulse. They they play like pretty good baseball. Like they, they play pretty sound, fundamental baseball. And when I see somebody like Javi Baez at the plate, swinging at pitches up at his eyes and just launching them, I, I just, I, I can't tell you how much I love it, how how refreshing it is to have a guy that that has that skill set in the tool belt that he can pull that out and become a difference maker instantly. I mean, look, you saw what he did on opening day. Uh, you saw what he did the other night in KC. I mean, look, this is just a – and if you haven't seen Javi Baez, uh, like, throughout his career – and look, I, I know uh, – you got the White Sox. He, he was in Toronto for, for, for a season. Um, uh, back with the with the with the uh, Cubs, uh, and then and then off to the Mets for a year. I mean, look, I, I just think that I don't know that a lot of people because he's in the NL. I don't know how many people really like caught Javi Baez. Like baseball fans, like you know, degenerates like you and I, Jason knew what Javi Baez was. But if you're the casual baseball fan in Detroit, like you may not have really paid much attention. But but I think what he's doing is putting people on notice. He's he's showing this city what he's capable of. And it's very refreshing. I I I just think for look, and I can only speak for myself. I I was a little disappointed that they decided to bring Javi Baez in aside from Carlos Correa. Not anymore. Like and and there's there's a ton of season left, but from what we've seen from the get-go, from what we've seen from the onset, I love him. I love him. I love that he's aggressive. I love that, that, you know, defensively that glove has certainly traveled to Detroit. He is incredibly sound. He's fast. He's got a whale of an arm. Um, And, and that again, that can be infectious in a good way uh, to a young team, to show guys how you play day in and day out. And again, with a veteran like Miggy coming out and, and, and passing the torch in some sense, um, it means a lot. It means uh, it means an incredible amount, not only for, for the organization and the guys in that clubhouse saying, look, we're going to go where Javi takes us. But then again, passing that torch at first base to, to, to Torque. Huge, huge uh, value to that. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I I know he's banged up. He's got the thumb issue, um, but but this guy is going to make a lot of noise in Detroit. He's going to make a lot of headlines uh, on ESPN or or an MLB network, whatever it is for this team going forward. And look, I am all here for it. Uh, coming up next on Sports Wrap tonight, I, I I have some thoughts on this Clayton Kershaw thing. Uh, yanked what in the seventh inning, Jace, when he had a perfect yep. game going. Uh, I I'm sorry, 80 pitches. I just look, we'll talk about that on the other side. I want to get into some NBA draft stuff also. Um, because look, playoffs are starting, 
and once again, the Pistons have put themselves, they've acquitted themselves very nicely. We'll do that next as Sports Wrap continues tonight, right here on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. There have been 23 perfect games in Major League Baseball history. 23. Should have been 24. Armando Galarraga. Shout out Armando Galarraga. Uh, And not shout out Jim Joyce. Uh, But 23 perfect games in Major League Baseball history. That's it. That's all there's been. And it uh, look, it's hard to 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 play the what if game in hindsight. It's hard to to look back and say, well, he absolutely could have done it. Um, and and I feel like I feel like that decision, um, Wednesday, when Clayton Kershaw was dealing dealing against those just god-awful Minnesota Twins. Um, He had six outs left. Six outs. He was throwing a perfect game. And instead of trotting him back out, instead of, of allowing Clayton Kershaw to finish this thing either for history or, you know, how the game played out, you get a hit, whatever. But I, I, Dave Roberts, um, the manager of the of the of the L.A. Dodgers, pulled him, pulled him. And look, Clayton Kershaw is thirty four years old. Um, and and you remember, uh, his former teammate Rich Hill, uh, threw eighty nine pitches through seven innings against the Marlins back in two thousand sixteen. Roberts pulled Hill too. That was in September. All right. So that's the tail end of the season. Um, and look, Clayton Kershaw has come out and done the right thing publicly to the media says at the end of the day, in the moment, I felt like it was the right decision to, to, to have to, to, for, for Roberts to pull him. And he said, look, I can't go back now. That's what he said Thursday. You can't rewrite history, basically. Um, Jason, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is that is, from a from a baseball move from a fan perspective. I absolutely detest that decision. Absolutely detest that decision. Clayton yeah, Kershaw had needed six outs. His pitch count wasn't upwards of a hundred pitches. It wasn't north of 90. He threw 80 pitches. 80. 80 pitches. <laughs> I mean, look, I get it if it's the tail end of the season and uh you've wrapped up your your spot in the playoffs. You've you, you want to rest guys. You don't want guys to get too 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 tired at the end of the season, especially your, your ace. I get it. I can, I can at least wrap my head around that. I don't know that I would like it in that moment, but I at least understand the, the, the thought process behind it. 
a I, game yeah. a, a, a game in mid-April when when your when your ace is dealing against a crummy team to make history to be to add this other thing to Kershaw's you know record. I, I'm sorry, I, I would be. And look, I don't know what we don't know what happened behind closed doors. We don't know if Kershaw was upset, but I know that I was upset. I feel like I feel like I got robbed. I feel like I was as a baseball fan. I feel like I was short, short. Uh, you know, I, I got shafted here, and 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 it for for me as a fan, and I think a lot of fans share this perspective. It's like. I know that you don't like there is that sense of unknown and it's like, look, we want to win this game. We're going to wrap this game up. We want to win it. But, but from a fan perspective, you want to see that that's what that's, that's what will help build this game back up again. A a league that has fallen from its pedestal for a number of reasons. And that's a different discussion for a different day, but for a team that has fallen from, from grace, if you will, or, or, or a, a league that has fallen from grace, you need situations like Clayton Kershaw. You need a perfect game through seven with six batters, six strikeouts to go with only 80 pitches thrown. Like you need this for the game. And, and, and again, if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be livid. Um, And if, and if, if, if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be, I'd be pretty mad at, at Roberts because I just don't think that I don't think this was the right move. And again, from a from a from a team perspective, from an analytical perspective, from a from a health perspective, I I understand it. But it doesn't mean I like it. I think it was a terrible decision, and I I wish that Clayton Kershaw had the opportunity to finish that game. Yeah, absolutely. Eighty pitches is what they t- discussed, I believe. But circumstances can change. I know the weather, they say the weather because it was 34 degrees. Maybe that factored into it. Clayton Kershaw is a long way away from 200 innings in a season. 2015 was the last time he did it. So I understand protecting him, but at least give him the eighth. He goes out there, he allows a single, they're going to pull him. But he could have gone out there and he could have had a six-pitch inning. So, you know, because a lot of teams get real aggressive when they're being no hit or perfect game. So I say you give it, you obviously you give them the eighth. And then if it's a short inning, you try it again in the ninth. I mean, Jason, it's it. Look, it's not hyperbole. It's not crazy to say that Clayton Kershaw may have thrown another 15 pitches in that game. They say he was, they say he was on pace for 103. If, if okay. it had ended that way. Fine, so that, fine. Yeah. but you talk about the aggressive nature that opposing teams uh, adopt when they're, you know, backs against the wall. They want to hit this guy. Um, I mean, it's very possible that that thing, he doesn't even get to triple digits in terms of his pitch count. Right, and he um, did have 13 strikeouts, so it could be a, a case where he would throw the extra pitches to get the strikeout, but not many. I mean. I, no, no. And again, I look. I, I I I guess I'm playing devil's advocate with myself because I understand from a fundamental baseball standpoint. And right, like let's say they trot him out in the eighth, and he throws his arm out, and he needs Tommy John's. Well, now your ace is gone. You're probably dead in the water in terms of a playoff push, right? Like like all of a sudden, the dynamic of that organization and that team changes in an instant. 
but you can't you can't manage scared like that. I, I just I refuse to believe that that is the proper way to manage a baseball team. And look, I na- I never manage a baseball team, but I will say it feels like it feels like when when you're on a heater, when you've got somebody who's in the groove, you don't take them out. And especially in baseball, oh my goodness, with with how you know the the just this this the 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 superstitious nature of baseball you don't want to mess with the feng shui right like like uh, to me it just didn't make a lot of sense and and again from a fan standpoint it it it, it was a huge bummer a huge bummer and now, again did you see oh, D- dave roberts he's got that he's got the the history there like that's his track record if he's got somebody that's dealing uh, you know, into those mid late round or innings, he's going to pull them. Like I, I have no doubt going forward that that will be Dave Roberts modus operandi. What do you got, Jason? The, another example early on in the year, a lot of these teams are having these guys go four innings on, I believe it was Wednesday. Uh, the hard throwing righty from the guardians, Tristan McKenzie, he went through four innings with the, I believe he had a five run lead. It was five, nothing. He had thrown 67 pitches, struck out six, allowed one hit, and they pulled it. So he could have he could have gone another inning and was qualified for the win, but they took him out because that's probably what they discussed beforehand. Well, but, see, th- but again, that to me makes sense. You've got a lead. You're not playing. There, there, there's no perfect game. There's no 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 hitter on the line there. Like all of win. that's done. You're looking for the at that point. You're looking for the win. You're looking for. You're looking to to notch the W in the column. That's it. That's the goal at that point. Look, and win win losses for pitchers, I hate. I hate win losses for pitchers. I think it's the worst, most overused, most nonsensical stat for starting pitching in in maybe all of sports. I just, I absolutely hate it. But from that standpoint, it's a totally different scenario. You're in a position to get the win. Get the win. However you feel is best to get the win, and when you're managing players early, um, depending on their situations, fine. And and I even would I would even feel differently if Dave Roberts came out or Clayton Kershaw came out and said, "Look, we have a pitch count for every series, or for 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 every month of the season, or for every quarter of the season." or third of the season. And we want to fit into that framework and we will stick to that no matter what. If that was the conversation coming out, fine. Like, okay, I get it. But at the same time, I, I they didn't say any of those things. All that he said was, well, we felt it was the best thing to do. We, we wanted to get the win and, and, and move forward. Fine. But, but you left so much on the table. And look, Kershaw and Dave Roberts said, from a fan perspective, I get it. I feel bad. I wish I, I could have done it. Um, but yesterday wasn't the day. Why wasn't yesterday the day? Why? It, nobody has said why yesterday, or, or excuse me, uh, why Wednesday wasn't the day. I don't understand it. I just, I, I that's where, if you want to make that decision, you better be ready to face the cameras, face the mics, and come out and give everybody a good reason for why you did what you did. Now imagine if you if you that, that was a home game. They were on the road in Minnesota. If they were at home, that who boy that would have been 
I'm sure there would have been a lot of boo birds. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, J- Jason, think of it like this. Casey Mize dealing in the seventh, 80 pitches, six batters to go for a perfect game. What, what is your take on it as a fan? Would you be would you be upset if AJ Hinch yes. pulled Casey Mize? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that in a, scenario. Absolutely. In a mid-April yeah. game? Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, I get it. I understand it. But that doesn't mean I gotta like it. I can tell you that. Um, all right, uh, we didn't get to 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 uh, the NBA stuff. We'll do that next. Uh, NBA playoffs and the draft. Pistons have acquitted themselves nicely. We'll talk about that next. The sports draft continues tonight here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. Now back to more sports wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. Okay, so after Tom Brady retired the first time, and then unretired, when he retired, the touchdown to Mike Evans was going up for sale. And it was going to be a big one. $518,000 for the now unretired Tom Brady final touchdown pass. That has been voided by a mutual agreement between the buyer, the co-signer, and the auction house, according to Leland's auctions uh, this week. They say, due to the unique nature of Brady's decision to return 40 days after he announced his retirement in late January, uh, and less than 24 hours after the auction closed, no less, no money was exchanged, so the agreement was simply nullified, according to sources familiar with that uh, negotiation effort behind the scenes. Um, We wanted to do this right. Uh, That, according to Mike Hefner, the president of Leland's, adding that while the original buyer has pulled out, the ball's co-signer still plans to sell it privately through Leland's. So uh, they say it's a a unique situation that we'll probably never encounter. Um, I, I still think technically it was Tom Brady's last touchdown pass. Uh, before he retired. So there could still be some value there. And now that he's unretired, I think that adds another layer of, I don't know, lore or mysticism or something to Tom Brady and, and his retirement. So I anticipate somebody will buy that thing for, for a couple thousand bucks. I don't, I, I, it's obviously not going to go for half a mil, but it, but I think somebody will buy this thing. I think that there is some history now to it, even more so than the touchdown itself. So yeah, I, I do think this thing's still going to be sold, but but at the same time, I I don't I think it I, I think it will be sold. I we'll have to see for how much if if they ever make that public. Um, all right, look, th- there is big shakeups among NFL mock drafts that I I want to I wanted to talk about because I I think it's interesting. So there have been a lot of talk about Jacksonville. Right, Jacksonville sitting at number one, Detroit sitting at number two, and, and what the Jags are going to do. And it seemed like for the longest time that Evan Neal was the guy, the tackle out of Alabama. And it makes a ton of sense because, number one, they need to shore up that, that offensive line. But number two, I mean, look, you want to try to protect Trevor Lawrence as much as possible. You want to try to give him as much of a chance to succeed as possible. 
and I'm not going to write the kid off after one year. I still, still think he can be a good quarterback in this league, but I think you got to give this kid a little bit of time, especially after the debacle that was Urban Meyer. So it was really interesting when I was checking out some mocks this week about where Evan Neal was falling to because he did fall. In fact, he fell five spots. Oh, check that. Excuse me. He fell uh, nine spots to Seattle at number nine. Um, and this was the, the write-up that I saw from NFL.com. The more I read, the more it seems like the Seahawks are, are actually kind of into Drew Locke. This weekend, I came across a tweet from Locke's former Broncos teammate, Sua Cravens, and suggested a personality clash between Locke and Vic Fangio. But taking a lineman, they should have done it a year ago. This way, it would shore that up and really solidify that line. That's from Adam Rank, an NFL writer at NFL.com. So I was really surprised who Jacksonville was looking at to take at number one. Not because the talent doesn't match the pick, because it does. But I was surprised to see the position switch. And now... Adam Rank has Jacksonville taking Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. And Trayvon Walker is a is a, a real possibility there. Um, but they're saying that this would be a swing for the fences, go for Hutchinson, translate it to a Bosa-like player at the NFL, and away you go. And I know a lot of Lions fans want to see Aiden Hutchinson in the Honolulu blue and silver. I would too. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a marvelous player. Um, But if, if he goes number one, he ain't going to be available to you, but the lions will still have an opportunity to take somebody like Kayvon Thibodeau, who, who again, in terms of the talent has all the talent to be the first overall pick. So I would say, I mean, look, this would be a, a wonderful pick got tons of swagger. He's got a high motor. And I think in terms of the personality, in terms of the characteristics of what this staff is looking for, I think Kayvon would fit in really nicely with Dan Campbell and this staff and the rest of this team. I just, Jason, I thought it was really, I don't know, shocking, I guess, that Jacksonville would pivot to the other side of the trenches and take somebody like Aiden Hutchinson at the end, number one. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, I've actually got a mock draft where they do take Dr- Trayvon Walker uh, okay. at number one and the Giants taking Thibodeau at five, which mm. would be, um, which would be, which would be nuts. But um, yeah, I, I honestly don't think they can go wrong with either, either guy. And I know Lions want to see Aiden Hutchinson here just because he went to Michigan, but that doesn't really matter. This team's they're trying to put together a good football team. So I don't think they can go wrong with either guy. Do, do you feel like, Malik Willis has done enough to to garner a real look there at two. I um, I, 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 because look, I, I know that that um, Jared Goff is not the the, the long term future of this team, um, but there has been a ton of smoke around Malik Willis being there at number two and the Lions not being able to pass him up. Um, do do you feel like they go quarterback this year? Do you feel like they wait? Do you feel like now is the time to strike if you're up top now. Um, what are your thoughts on this? No, I think I think you wait. You 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 do you have another year with Jared Goff, you let him run the offense. 
he started to figure some things out last year at the end of the year, and then you just build it from the inside out. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, something that, look, we're going to see a ton of more mocks drafts as we go along. Uh, we're going to cover here on Sports Prep for you. That's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, we'll be with you tomorrow, 6 to 7, right here on WJR. We'll, we'll do a little USFL stuff, or, 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 or we'll, we'll watch this with this thing. Jeff Fisher and the Michigan Panthers. And uh, look, I, I'm going to be excited to see how this thing turns out. So we'll do that tomorrow here on Sports Trip. Have yourself a wonderful night. Uh, you're listening to WJR.